Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan to reject God's will and question God's motives. Did God really love Adam and Eve, or was God withholding the best from Adam and Eve? Humanity chose to believe Satan's lies, and so Adam and Eve, believing they would be better off being gods, rebelled against their loving father and disobeyed him. What followed was unbelievable destruction and death on the earth. They discovered the hard way that God's laws and demand for obedience are for our sake. In obedience to God, we enjoy the rich blessing of fellowship with Him, and life goes well for us. As a child surrenders to the will of the parent, so God expects us to surrender to His will. As the loving parent wants only the best for the child, so God wants the best for us. And as things turn out well for the obedient child who follows the guidance of the parent, so things go well for us when we do the will of the Father. More on this now as Pastor Allen continues his new series, The Day of Atonement. Good morning. Ellison Meyer's four-year-old son, Jameson, was born with Pfeiffer syndrome that can sometimes severely deform a child's face. And for the past several years, what Ellison has been doing is she's been chronicling her son's growth and experience. And she's entitled the blog, Jameson's Journey. Two years ago, she posted a picture of little Jameson. He had been enjoying some s'mores. Everybody knows what a s'more is? Grain wafers with chocolate and marshmallows melted together. It's sublime. We have some for you for $10.99 out in the atrium. <laughs> no, we don't. Little Jameson had been enjoying his s'more head all over his face, and his mother thought it was absolutely adorable. And so she took a picture of him and posted it on the blog. Somebody saw the picture, and to Alisanne's horror, somebody took that picture and posted it on Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, and other social media with the caption, your dog is amazing. And almost as bad as the horrible caption put to the face of her beloved little child were thousands of likes. People were expressing great pleasure. And the horrible words said about this little boy born with a deformity. How on earth can people be like that? How on earth could people make fun of a little boy, born deformed. We think about that, we scratch our head and, and are quite frankly at a loss for words. What's, what's the problem, what happened? Well, then we recall the doctrine called original sin. The doctrine says that we're all born with a sinful nature. G.K. Chesterton, famous for uh, Father Brown, maybe some of you have seen the series on PBS. He was a prolific writer. In his book called Orthodoxy, he said it's the only part of the Christian theology which can really be proved. You and I were born with a sinful nature, and we find ourselves rejoicing in things that we should not be rejoicing in. We find ourselves saying things we shouldn't say and doing things that we know we ought not to do. This we call original sin. This original sin, or human fallenness, includes a capacity for cruelty and injustice towards others, 
For most of us, this capacity, it hovers just below the surface. And some of us, if we were totally honest, would say, yeah, I'm guilty. A large part of what restrains us, that keeps us from indulging our tendencies is, uh, is that we're afraid of what our parents might say, we're afraid of what our culture will say, what our church will say, what our government will do to us. The fact is, folks, is that we were born with sin. We have begun a new series last week called The Day of Atonement. And what we're going to do is we're going to go on a journey. Last week we started at the creation before sin or evil or wickedness had entered into the human experience. And we're on our way to the cross, and we're going to talk then about the end of time. This is a series that leads up to Easter. It's a story of how we were at one with God and how that at-oneness was broken. How we were at one with each other, where we enjoyed unity and love, where there was no division, no hatred, no resentment, no bitterness, and how that was broken. And then we're talking about how, through Christ, we were reconciled to God, brought back to him, made at one with him again. We can't talk about atonement unless we talk about the fall. How on earth did we lose that at-one-ment with God? How did we lose that place where we were one with God, where there was perfect human uh, harmony and perfect unity? How do we lose that? Well, folks, this begins the discussion of the doctrine of the fall, which starts in the Garden of Eden. Look at this in Genesis 2, 16 to 17. It says, but the Lord God warned Adam. You notice that? The Lord God warned Adam, not Eve. And you're going to see that in just a moment, the importance of that. And God says to Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of... You're awake, good, good. Just want to make sure you're with me. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Now the Creator wants Adam to know that submission to him means that Adam and Eve will enjoy paradise forever. Now, can I just say it again? The Creator wants Adam and Eve to understand this, that if they submit to the Creator, if they do exactly what the Creator says, then they will enjoy paradise forever. Now, can I just say something before we go any further? Because some people may have this idea or be under the impression that God is some kind of a mean old ogre in the sky with a big bat ready to slug us, to whack us every time we get it wrong. That's not who God is. That's not the Creator. In fact, the Creator describes himself with the word love. That's who God is. He's a God of love. And this is what God was looking for in the Garden of Eden, for a loving, harmonious, unified relationship with him and with one another. Death would be the penalty for rebelling against the creator of the universe. Now, can I just let everybody understand something about death? Death is decay. Death equals corruption. 
destruction. Death equals hatred, murder, sorrow, pain, tears, agony. It, all the things that were on that video that we just watched, all the, the heinous crimes through history are all related to death. And we talked last week about what it would be like to live in a world without death, without destruction, without sin and evil. We called that world paradise. But Adam and Eve made a decision. They decided that they were not going to submit to the Creator. They were not going to do what the Creator asked them to do. They decided that they were going to do their own thing. Now watch this. I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be the captain of my own ship. I'm my own boss. You're not the boss of me. I'm going to do whatever I want. I want you to see what's happening, because that is how all of us are. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. We moved from a position where we were unified and living in perfect harmony with God and with one another. I need to point that out. There was no, Adam and Eve didn't have any fights. There was no quarrels. They, they sought to love and serve each other. They moved from that harmony, that at one minute, to a place where they were fighting God, they were fighting each other. In fact, their first offspring, one kills the other. You know the story of Cain and Abel. On Thursday, on The View, has anybody ever heard of The View? It's at 10 o'clock every morning, and it's a group of hens, women, who gather together to discuss their opinions. And it really is a collection of five people's ignorance, is what it is. They come together, they express their opinions, their ideas, and one of the co-hosts, Raven Samard, or Simone is her name, she blames the Bible for Hillary Clinton's problems. Did you hear that? And I don't know if you are watching the news at all, if you ever watch CNN, but you'll know that, that Hillary Clinton is in a little bit of trouble. She's being investigated by the FBI. And if you don't know who Hillary Clinton is, then I need to pull you up from under that rock you've been living under. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is running for president of the United States of America. And you know that she, she canceled out her emails, and so she is now under investigation. I put it very simply, folks. Now, Raven Simone, the woman with the half-shaved head and orange hair, she says, it's not Hillary Clinton's tendency for getting herself enveloped in scandals that are the problem. The real problem is the Bible. Here's what she says. I have a problem with everybody still saying that Hillary is untrustworthy. That's what she says. I have a problem with that. I feel like there's this stigma since the beginning of the human race that a woman is untrustworthy. It starts in the Bible, she says. And of course, many people scratch their head and wonder, what on earth is she talking about? How I'll tell you what, she, what she's doing. She's taking the story of Adam and Eve, and you know the story, Eve goes to the tree. What does she do? She picks the, uh, it doesn't say apple. I was just tricking you here a little bit. It just says fruit. We don't know if it's an apple or a pear or what. It just says fruit. Just check to see if you're awake on this 
Daylight Savings Sunday. Eve takes the fruit and she eats it. And so Raven Simone says, ever since then, the world has blamed women for all of its problems. And all the men would say, if you're smart, you won't say a thing. <laughs> you know, here's the problem, folks, when you don't know the Bible, when you start speaking as an authority on things you don't know anything about, you really come off looking really stupid. You don't just look stupid, you're, you, you sound stupid, right? So here's the problem, or here's the facts. The fact of the matter is, is that Adam and Eve are both responsible for their sin. They're both responsible for their rebellion against God. Theologically speaking, the greatest failure in this story is not Eve, it's Adam. Because in this verse, the Lord God warned Adam. Adam, this is your responsibility, this is your duty, you give leadership, and don't rebel, don't disobey, do what I say. And God says, if you will obey, if you will do as I say, then you will enjoy paradise forever. But they didn't. They said, no, God, you're not going to tell us what to do. You're not going to be the boss of me. I'm going to be my own boss. And you know what happens, all hell breaks loose. Adam and Eve refused to listen to the instruction of God. This act of eating the fruit was the first act of rebellion or disobedience against God. And, it, and, and as they say, the rest is history. Sin enters in, evil enters in, death enters in. I'm going to tell you, folks, this, is not a, this did not come as a, as a surprise to Adam and Eve because they remembered what God promised. God promised that they would die if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, understand something, because, again, people get, get, get the wrong impression, the wrong understanding of who God is. Some people think God's just waiting to punish us, and that's not what this is. This is consequences. This is the consequences of taking a wrong turn, doing the wrong thing. If I decide, you know what, I'm going to eat a, a full bag of, of Frito-Lays, sour cream and onion chips every day, and a, a, a full, full-size, extra-size chocolate bar, fruit and nut chocolate bar, my favorite, hint, hint, Easter's coming. Um, if I'm going to be drinking pop, liters of, of Coke every day, and day in and day out, and if I am not watching what I eat, and if I don't exercise, and I blow up to ungodly sizes... If I am not taking care of my health and I suddenly develop a heart attack, am I going to shake my fist in the face of God and say, you did this to me? Of course not. I did it to myself. It's called consequences. And I'm going to tell you what is wrong with us. We don't like consequences. We want to make excuses for ourselves, don't we? We don't want to admit well, it was my fault. I'm in the wrong. Well, no, but it's, it's my genetics. It was, you know, I got this from my mother. I got this from my father. Nonsense. You got it from yourself. 
You know, when it comes to sin and evil in the world, our response is really quite schizophrenic, isn't it? Because every one of us will admit that in this world, there is sin and evil all around us. In fact, Tony Campolo, he said the thing that made him believe in God was the evil in the world. He said, if there, if there could be such evil in this world, there must be something to counteract it. And that was what got him on his journey towards God. So we believe there's sin and evil in the world, but on the other hand, we don't actually believe that we are personally responsible or that we have evil in our hearts. Now, I'm going to challenge that this morning. At the trial of Adolf Eichmann, one of the major perpetrators and organizers of the Holocaust that was responsible for the death of over 6 million Jews, He, uh, on trial, had his first witness against him stand before him. And when the woman came in and saw Adolf Eichmann in the courtroom, she screamed and then she fainted. And when asked why she screamed or why she fainted, I mean, his picture had been on the news. I mean, it it was a big story. They had found him, they put him on trial. This woman stands before him, screams and faints. Why did she do that? You know what her answer was? Here's what they thought her answer would be. They thought her answer would be, well, here she was, standing in the presence of a monster. But that's not what made her faint, and that's not what made her scream. What made her faint, she said, was that when she walked into that courtroom and saw this man who was responsible for the death of of millions of Jews, she said, I looked at him and I thought, he looks so normal. He looks so human. He's just like me. It absolutely freaked her out. Now, here's what you and I need to understand. Because I don't think we have any Adolf Eichmanns in the room. But I do know this. We have a room full of people who have the capacity for any kind of sin. Rabbi Zacharias, one of the great defenders of the Christian faith, he loves going to universities and he loves speaking to students and challenging their assumptions. And one of the students protesting against the Christian message that humans need atonement, the atonement of God, protesting the Christian message declares that humans are actually getting better. That, evolutionarily speaking, they are improving and getting better. Really? And here's what Ravi Zacharias said in response, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. He didn't launch into, a, into this big lecture. All he did is ask a question. He said, do you lock your doors at night? Brilliant response. Do you lock your doors at night? And of course, here's what Ravi Zacharias is drawing at. This young boy, university student, in his naivety, believed or suggested that humans were evolving and becoming better and better and better. And in fact, if he really and truly believed that humans were getting better, he wouldn't be not locking his doors at night, would he? 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we all lock our doors at night, and not only do we lock our doors at night, we've got alarm systems. Remember I talked about my grandpa, and I asked him, Grandpa, what was, the, what was it like in the good old days? He said, we didn't lock our doors at night. We didn't have to. You leave the keys in the car. You could leave your animals. on. Nobody touched anything. Everything was safe. That was at the turn of the 1800s. In the year 2016, is there anybody here that wouldn't lock the doors at night? And if, you, if I were you, I wouldn't put up your hand because there are people here who will see. And you never know what we got in our midst this morning. Secular China and Russia in the 20th century, between them, between these two nations, killed over 60 million people. This is staggering. That's two Canadas wiped out. The wars in the 20th century wiped out a total of 160 million people dead in the 20th century. Folks, we're talking over 200 million people dead because of sin, because of the fall of mankind. Are you really going to suggest to me that humans are basically good and that we're getting better? The 20th century is marked as the most bloody century in all of human history. Folks, we're not getting better. In fact, many of us who maybe haven't been to university, haven't got a PhD, have good, good old-fashioned common sense, we would have to admit that, in fact, things are getting worse. You don't have to look to China or to Russia or to Adolf Eichmann or Hitler. Look at yourself. Think of the things that come out of your mouth. Think of the things that you say to your beloved wife. Think of the things that you say to your beloved husband. The things that come out of your mouth, the things that you say to your children. Are you not shocked? Are you not horrified? Folks, that's the condition of the human heart. We're not getting better, and we're not basically good. If you've ever had children and watched them scrap and fight over the last piece of cake, you know we're all born with original sin. Folks, this is why we talk about Jesus. This is why we talk about Easter. There is a theory of the atonement. Remember, when I talk about the atonement, we're talking about the work that Jesus did at the cross that brings God and humanity back together again. That's what, the, that's what atonement is. There's a theory of the atonement called Christus Victor. And in the Christus Victor atonement theory, they say that Christ's death defeated the powers of evil, which had held humankind in held humankind hostage. Now, the implication is that we were held captive by Satan and that Christ liberated us. But listen to this, folks. There is no talk of personal responsibility. No talk of, it's my fault, I'm responsible. Because the fact of the matter is, folks, we don't want to admit that we are sinners. We don't want to admit that we are rebellious. We don't want to admit that we are guilty. We don't want to admit that we need a Savior. We just keep on making excuses and justifying ourselves. On Monday, March the 7th, 
The Christian Post tells the story of Reverend Ann Fowler. She's a new, this, this is going to blow your mind. She's a New England Episcopal priest. An Episcopal, an Episcopal priest is basically um, an Anglican, but because they're in America, they call them Episcopal, Episcopalian. So this New England Episcopal priest says that she aborted an accidental pregnancy, listen to this, while she was in divinity school preparing for the ministry. Does that not, like, how do you, how do you, how do you put that together? That'd be like saying, I, it, in training to become a police officer, I was selling drugs on the side to support myself. Ludicrous! It doesn't make any sense. And here's this Episcopal, Episcopalian priest aborting a child so that she would not be interrupted in her pursuit of the priesthood. Blows your mind. And rather than admitting she's wrong, admit, rather than admitting that she did the wrong thing, rather than admitting that she went to God, against God's best, what does she do? She decides that she's going to protest and she is going to defend her position and she is going to defend her right to kill her baby and she is going to stand up and say, I was not wrong, I was right. And so she is now among a group of high-powered pro-abortion women seeking to convince the Supreme Court to ease abortion restrictions. It absolutely is staggering. We just don't want to admit that we are sinful and in need of God's help. Folks, this is why we celebrate Easter. Because... For many of us, we've taken that step and we have acknowledged to God, we have admitted to God that we are, in fact, sinners. But there's still so many of us that don't want to admit it. God, in spite of our arrogance and our lack of humility, created a plan. And we read about it further on in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve have taken the fruit, they've rebelled against God, they've sinned, God begins or puts in place a new plan for the redemption of humankind. And here's what it says in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is what we call the proto-evangelium, the very first evangelist, evangelistic prophecy, the eva first evangelistic message in the Bible. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What's God saying? Satan will strike Christ by saying to it that all of Christ's enemies drive him to the cross. And what Satan doesn't understand is that through Christ dying on the cross that Jesus would crush the head of Satan. This is God's provision for us right after the fall. And so while we may be tempted to feel despair and feel that there is no hope and feel that I am such a sinner, I have failed, I have let God down, I've let my wife down, my kids down, my friends, I've let everybody down, is there any hope for me? And God would be here today to tell you, yes, there's hope. And your hope is in Jesus Christ. 
who has come to take away your sin. Come to pay the penalty for your sin. Look what it says here in Romans 4.25. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God, to make us one with God. This, my friends, is the message of the atonement. That Jesus Christ took upon himself the penalty that you and I deserve for our sin. Would anybody sitting here today suggest that they did not need this work of Christ? The fact of the matter is, is if we're all honest, we have to admit yes. Oh, you haven't gasped Jews in furnaces, and you maybe haven't murdered anybody, you maybe haven't committed adultery, but maybe you mocked a little child that was deformed at birth. Maybe you said something to your wife. Maybe you broke a command that even now is causing you to have a guilty conscience. It's for you. It's for me. It's for those of us that understand that we are guilty, that we have sinned, that we have fallen short. Now, I can tell you, folks, when I was just a a young boy, I uh, was sent to church by my my, my mom, my mom made sure that we all went to Boys Brigade, Calvary Temple. And it was there that I first heard the good news about Jesus Christ. I was just a young boy. Some of you have heard me share this before. Only eight years old. And I can tell you, I hadn't murdered anybody. I hadn't beaten anybody up. I hadn't done any of the great, great crimes. I was a boy, an eight-year-old. But I can tell you this, I knew in my heart that I was a sinner. And when that preacher asked, does anybody here want to be made right with God? Does anybody here want to have their sins washed away? Nobody had to twist my arm. I was on my feet like right now. Yes, that's for me. I I need that. I I need that. Now I can tell you, when I was eight years old... Our home was not a Christian home. But thank God my mother had the sense enough to make sure that we got to church. There as an eight-year-old boy, I said, I need, I need what, you've, what you're offering me, Pastor. And he asked me to bow my head, and I, there might have been one or two others. I don't even know. I just remember it was like me and God. And the pastor said, all you have to do is repeat this prayer after me. And I prayed that prayer, and I said, God, I'm a sinner. I've let you down. I've failed you. You might might laugh and say, wasn't that cute, an eight-year-old boy saying he's a sinner. But folks, I knew. I knew I was a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, God, that through Christ, all my sins can be washed away. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you. The very first verse I memorized was this verse, 1 John 1, 9, and it says, but if we confess our sins to him, 
is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most wickedness? How much? 100%? You got it, baby. 100%. If I confess my sins to him, if I ask you, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all the evil things that I've done, all the evil things I've said, if I confess my sin and ask him to forgive me, he is faithful. What does that mean, faithful? You depend on it every single time. He's faithful. And he's just. And he will forgive my sins and cleanse me. Wipe the slate clean. I can tell you, folks, after I prayed that prayer, I felt like I could fly. I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. And you know what's interesting? When I went to church, I didn't even know. I didn't even know or understand what my problem was. But I went and I confessed my sin. And Jesus saved me. Jesus, wash me clean. Roy, I know you're with me on this. And I know you're with me on this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. My sins are washed away. But folks, it takes a willingness to admit, I am a sinner. I am in need of your forgiveness, O oh God. I am I'm in need of your grace. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. There's some people who believe that Christianity is just a religion. You go through the rituals. You go through the liturgy. I'm not talking about that kind of religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God whereby you and I experience the forgiveness of God, where we know that our sins have been washed away. We call it being born again. We become a brand new creation. Would you stand with me, please? God, here's what I know about everybody here today, because I'm one with these people. I understand what a guilty conscience is. I know what it is, Lord, to fall short of your standard. I know what it is, God. I understand what it is to be a sinner. My prayer, God, for everybody here today is that during this Easter season that each one would come to that place of crisis in their life where they would say, God, I am a sinner. I'm in need of your forgiveness. I'm in need of your grace. I pray this morning, O oh God, that for those who have not yet put their faith in Christ, that, that today would be the beginning of a new journey of having the slate wiped clean where they'd find their sins forgiven and they'd be able to start afresh a brand new life in Christ. And so we thank you today, God, for the work of Jesus at the cross who brought atonement, who brought us into harmony with God once again. Father, go with us as we go from this place and we thank you for your love, your great love expressed in sending Jesus Christ to this earth to take the penalty for my sin. And we pray all this in your name. And everyone said it?
Tell the person beside you, so glad you're here today.